Hello, my friends. Elle here. I know it's been a while, and I'm sorry I've kept you waiting for the latest and greatest podcast episode. But I've been taking a little bit of space away from the podcast for my own healing. I've talked about it on past episodes that I am healing my body from from some physical stuff energetic stuff, all kinds of stuff, and I felt really called to step away for a few weeks, and I'm back with such a powerful episode and a powerful speaker, Ksenia Brief, this week, and I was really looking forward to connecting with her for the last few months because I just adore her and her work and who she is. I've gotten to know who she is because of Allison Charles, who hosts the Ceremony Circle podcast. I was lucky to hear Ksenia on that podcast and invited her to come on because I think she has so much to share about life and how to live according to the divine timing and trust that we all can embody and step into. It couldn't have been more divine timing to have Ksenia on because I am considering a pivot with the podcast and my business. And I had a recent past life Akashic record reading that really put a lot of puzzle pieces in place on where I'm going with the podcast, with my life, and a little bit of fear was creeping in after learning from spirit where I'm headed and how this is going to change and shift. And while I'm not ready to share quite yet where the podcast is headed in the new year because I have a lot of tweaks to make, I can tell you that having this conversation with Ksenia was such a gift because the overarching theme of our discussion is around trust universal trust, universal wisdom, divine timing, following your heart and living in your heart space. Easier said than done, right? But Ksenia has been doing that her entire life, which is why I admire her so much. And during that life, she has moved as an immigrant from Moscow, Russia. She has founded the Shorty Award-winning blog, Breakfast Criminals. She has built a brand new following and calling through podcasting back in 2018 and has built up a social media following of over 450,000 people and has nearly 500,000 downloads of her podcast. So when I say she's a powerhouse of wisdom and knowledge, I mean it because she has built such a beautiful brand just through being herself and being authentic. And I think you'll find as you listen, she's a master storyteller. That's what I love about her so much. And we have such a beautiful discussion today around not so much her story of how she got where she is today, but really how to step into your higher calling and your higher self, making simple decisions in your life how to honor our multidimensionality and work through deep-seated ancestral patterns, work with our fears, trust the divine, trust what's coming in. And she gives such great examples and stories of how this has worked in her own life over and over and over again. And not only that, we get into a deep discussion around money because she has been doing her own work around money in a women's financial kind of investing group called Factora Wealth. And she's been sharing these experiences on social media. And so I wanted to shift the conversation today to talk a little bit about her experiences with that. And the conversation took a beautiful turn. And we did talk specifically about her experiences in this program and how it's empowered her to make decisions and how joining a wealth circle and and working with a group of women who are all talking about money really changed her outlook on money itself and where she's headed and what she wants to do with it and how she can use it and be a steward for it. And that is what I preach, as you guys know, and what I teach and what I hope to build with this community is a, a group of people and women who are focused on becoming stewards for wealth and stewards for prosperity, sacred prosperity. This was such a beautiful conversation with her And I could listen to her talk for hours because her stories are just so riveting and her voice and just her whole aura. I think you're going to love Ksenia as much as I do. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. I'm very excited to be here and I trust in divine timing of everything. Um, As soon as we're done, I'm going to be applying, submitting an application for our next home, which if it's meant to be ours, it will be in terms of uh, renting. 
Um, and I was just with Allison swimming in Krause Springs two days ago. Oh, that's beautiful. So you guys stay in touch. That's wonderful. I love her. Love her podcast. Yes. Ellie has been one of my oldest friends, probably going on in a decade. And it was like one of those where I saw her and it was just sold in love. Let's do this. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I feel that way about you. I feel like I know you because I've heard so much of your story through your podcast and through, you know, Allie's as well. But for, for purposes of this podcast, I would just love to have you share a little bit more about how you grew up and, you know, where it all began, because no one knows who you are necessarily on my podcast, but also I just think sharing your own story, both your childhood experiences and a little bit about your spiritual awakening would be really helpful. I have all my guests kind of share how they came into this work. And I know there's such a spiritual energetic element to what you do. And that's the forefront of everything that I do. So I'd love to just hear kind of your journey into that, because I know you grew up in Moscow. Really interesting. Um, so please like share a little bit more about that, about your childhood there and, and how you got into this work. I'd love to hear. Mm. So interesting. You know, when you talk about spiritual awakening and when I hear other people talk about spiritual awakening, um, especially when I've kind of hear people, you know, that take my courses or in my field, they're like, I awakened. And then spirit told me to join your course. And here I am. <laughs> like spirit told me the first whisper was to like sign up for your course. I don't know why, but I'm here. <laughs> and to me always was surprising and beautifully surprising that it feels like a binary thing, like life before awakening and life after awakening for me, it wasn't really that drastic. Um, I've always had an awareness of something bigger than my conscious mind and growing up in Moscow. So actually my parents, my dad used to be a diplomat and they got assigned to go to Australia, to Canberra for five years. And my mom was pregnant at the time. So they were counting days. My mom was like, ready to push me out they were like we just want to go to australia we're ready like come on girl and so as soon as i was born as soon as i was out of the hospital as soon as you know doctors gave us the green light we went to australia and so i spent first five years of my life there and when i think back to it i don't it's hard for me to know what was a dream that happened later on and what was reality a lot of my memories are like that i can't really identify what exactly was dreams what was visions for the future what was parallel realities and what was me and sometimes I'll ask my mom like did this happen like did I actually go to the swimming pool and this eat this kind of ice cream and she'll be like girl you're making it all up this didn't happen <laughs> and sometimes actually on my last trip to Russia I did identify at least one situation where I know I went to a summer camp to the sea and my parents were denying it. They said, no, there's no way we never sent you to a camp like this. And there was no cameras at that point. So I had no proof, but I kept trying to figure out different details of the story of how I would go to a market and call them and use all my change to tell them how sad it is and how bad I want to go home and how I don't fit in. Um, and finally, like weeks after me bringing up all these details, they're like, yeah, yeah, actually, I think there was a moment in that one summer where I actually did send you somewhere. Um, <laughs> But I feel like with spiritual awakening, it's also very much the same. It's I was in Krause Springs in Austin, Texas, my new home a couple of days ago with Allison Charles and a couple of other beautiful humans from around. And um, somebody brought up Costa Rica and Allison looks at me and she's like, you've been to Costa Rica, right? And what came out of my mouth was, oh, yeah, I was there, but I was there before my awareness. So I didn't have the consciousness the knowledge of how to actually connect with the land and view with the land and honor the land so for me there's tr some travel that happened before the way that I connect with traveling and life in general now and there's life after so there is a like a before and after in that but even in moments before I knew what meditation was before I did all of these spiritual trainings and truly found my community. I had moments when I was 15, when we went to India with my family, I had a moment in this tiny monastery in the Himalayan mountains where it just took me over. It was a tiny space, 
probably the size of the bed that you see behind me. Mm-hmm. Only a couple people at a time could come in, but I walked in and something just like swooped me and I felt a presence of something that was clearly bigger than me that just held me and accepted me and loved me. And the way that that energy translated into human assignment, because my experience is anytime there's a download, there's a necessity to integrate it and also to take action. Otherwise, how are we honoring the calls that we're getting? My assignment was to go back to India and do spiritual things. That's the extent of the understanding that I had and the language that I had. Mm-hmm. And I ended up doing that. I ended up going to India on a pilgrimage. But the through line through my whole upbringing, I would say, was not feeling a sense of belonging, feeling a little bit different, feeling interested in wide scope of personal growth type of things, energy and breath work. But at the time, there was no access really to figuring all this out. I'm just so excited and grateful that the generation of kids that are growing up now, thanks to the digital world, they have the access to discovering their own power through that early on. Um, I didn't have that. So I would just like a puzzle piece by piece. I would meet a person there. You know, I had a problem with acne as a teenager and my cosmetologist who would help me address that. She became like one of my spiritual teachers, one of my first like fairy godmothers. I ended up traveling to different countries with her as an interpreter. She really empowered me. She taught me about Qigong. She taught me about breath. She taught me about personal power and healing and so many things. And I've also always somehow ended up going to different type of um, shaman healers type of people, clairvoyants, psychics. And it was interesting. Sometimes I look back and I think that maybe whatever problems I thought I had on the surface, like the most prominent one at the time was acne, like hormonal cystic acne actually led me to a lot of the healers and teachers and psychics that ended up guiding my path in such important ways in terms of the relationships I was choosing in terms of my career path in terms of everything really and that has really um remained similar now I'm a lot more thoughtful about now I don't just like go to Arizona on a road trip like I used to and be like oh let's for fun get a psychic reading like a palm reading you know now I'm a lot more conscious of my own energy and the fact that I do have answers within Sometimes having a mirror of another human or an aspect of nature can be very powerful to give me access to my own knowledge, but um, I don't have to give my power away and none of any of our power is really outside of us. It's all there. And so what I've really learned more recently is to kind of identify where have I given my power away and live my life as if the answers are out there and where can I take it back and regain my sovereignty and remember that I am the creator of my reality. I create my own path and nobody knows what is in the highest good for me besides me. So I know you asked about childhood in Moscow, where I come from. And that was like a few glimpses. Um, I would say the other important one that wants to come in was the element of nature that was very present. When I was a kid, we would have a country house that we would spend summers in like most people in Soviet countries did. They had a plot of land where they would grow gardens. My mom had an amazing garden with strawberries and all kinds of berries that would make gems. Well, she would make gems out of that would last the whole year. And I remember it as just like such a carefree time. We would go to the river, we would swim, we would eat all these cookies on the river and we would make fires at night. And there was no, um, uh, there was light, but there was no like water or running water. So we would collect rainwater. And I was the one responsible for fire as the triple Leo in the family to make the fire and heat up the water. And I would get the right to take the first shower as a result. And I would go mushroom foraging with my grandfather, who was just such a special soul and who remains a guide from the other side anytime uh especially around his birthday in February um I always feel his presence and he's given me so many beautiful assignments and guidance from the other side through his own medicine but also through the medicine of mushrooms which mushroom foraging has been one of my favorite activities always as a kid and now mushrooms are a potent 
guide for me as the beautiful wise beings that they are and embracing the humanity. Um, and I think it's, a, I feel mushrooms as a very grounding ally um, that honors humanity. I find that some other psychedelic medicines that I've sat with and worked with, not just psychedelic, even just spiritual traditions that I've come across because I've dabbled into many things. I find that some of them kind of neglect the body and the human experience and just are very focused on the light and the light body and the ascension. But then there's this whole thing, like, and there's a reason we've been given this. And so my mantra is I'm in the right place at the right time in the right body doing the right thing. And I trust my path. And so um, that's kind of where I'm at and honoring the multidimensionality and the divine and yet being very aware of the fact that I have this human body and I have it for a reason. And it gives me access to bringing forth any divine energies that I'm called to. And that's why it's cool to have it because from the other side, you can't really do as much as you can from this side, being in the midst of this chaos that we're living through. It's easy to forget that, you know, when you get caught up in dabbling in all of these different modalities and into that world to forget that, it, it really doesn't mean much unless we can move it through our body, which I'm learning. But what I think is amazing about your story is that you, you've been intuitive from such a young age, you know, in touch with that side of yourself. It sounds like most of your life, even though you can still remember before awareness and after awareness. And I, it sounds like you've just really followed your intuition and your, your higher self and your path. And that's led you to where you are, which it's truly amazing because I mean, you've had so much success and what I love about your story too, is just the way you've reinvented yourself so many times, uh, which, you know, you haven't talked about that much yet, but just in hearing you talk about that on your podcast, like, I love how you trust so deeply, you know, regardless of what's going on in your world and in your life. And I wish I could say the same for me growing up, but, you know, I think most of us didn't have access to a lot of these these different modalities and, and guides growing up, you know, for me, I grew up in a Christian family in the deep South and it was just religion, you know, for me, there was no way to explore these other, you know, areas. So the awakening happened for me much later. And I know you mentioned you've met a lot of people like that. I'm one of them, you know, it happened for me like, um, 10 years ago or so, but your story was it just a moment in time. Like, no, it's, it's happened in stages. It started with my physical body. Mm -hmm. And I hear that a lot, sort of my physical body and becoming more aware of it after my father passed away and he, he passed and I knew obviously there was life on the other side and I could kind of feel him communicating with me, but also I was going through some health issues, you know, grieving him and the health issues continued to get worse. And then I started to live a healthier lifestyle, you know, make greater mm -hmm. choices and that then led to an exploration of, yeah, of everything that I've gotten into since then. So for me, it started in the body and with the passing of my father. And that was mm. actually 15 years ago now. And mm. it happened in stages because then four years later, you know, I got into working with mentors, working with coaches, and then it just deepened that awakening. And then I had more health issues that really brought me where I am today. So for me, like the physical body is it, you're right. That's mm -hmm. what we have to work with. And it's an incredible teacher in a way. So, mm -hmm. wow, your story is just so powerful and beautiful. And um, I love hearing it. And I have memories as well, though, from childhood where they, my parents said they never happened. So I think that happens with a lot of kids. The veil is so thin when you're a child. I think sometimes you can jump between timelines and not even realize it until later in life. Cause I have memories as a child of going to a water park that my parents said they never took me to with <laughs> another family too. It was like, mm -hmm. I remember different people and different situations. It's just really bizarre. It's so. so interesting. You say water park because yeah. The memory I was referencing was a water park as well. Really? Oh, that is wild. Yeah. I remember water park. Um, and it was just different people than my parents with me. Mm. They were, they thought I was crazy when I told them that when I was little, but, mm. and I, I used to talk about it and they had never taken me to a water park. So, yeah. I wonder if this happens to many people. I would love to hear yeah. from, you know, if you're listening to this and this has happened to you, <laughs> head us up. I would love to know. I would too. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. So I've really loved hearing your, just your ideas around money since you took your 
back to our wealth class as a financial planner and listening to your podcast and um, and you sharing your own, a little bit of your own story, which I listened to that episode. So I'd love to hear kind of that journey as well for you going from, it sounds like you've been an entrepreneur for a lot of your life, yeah, uh, which is challenging in itself, but also kind of what your thoughts were around money growing up to where you are now. Hmm. You know, it's interesting how thoughts around money, the first thing that came to mind was actually fears mm. around not just money, but my whole life yeah. that came up as a memory. I remember as teenagers in high school, we would, our Friday ritual was that we were going to go, we would go to McDonald's. <laughs> that was like our big celebration end of the week, like let's hang out. And so um, somehow I associate this memory with those Fridays going to McDonald's. I had this profound fear of going through college, going through school, graduating, and then ending up in a job where I would be a clerk having to wait, wear all gray, boring clothes and just show up like clock in, clock out everyday monotonous life. I had such a fear of this and I don't even know um, where exactly that comes from and why as a child I had those moments even like when I was younger I remember I just sometimes sadness would just swoop over me and take me over and the only thing that would help me was reading stories about gnomes and that's the only thing that would put me to sleep and like give me peace of mind because um, in my you know immediate surroundings everything was great in my family there was no turbulence or trauma or anything that would indicate that mm -hmm. I would have a challenging life and yet like my soul maybe because it didn't feel like it belonged maybe because it knew that where i was physically at the time in moscow is not where my soul was meant to blossom so it didn't see a linear pathway for me to leave that place and move somewhere else when i where i was called to and so as a result i think there was these fears and i started working really early on I remember I wanted to start making money like before I was even 14. So you get your passport when you're 14 and that's when you're technically allowed to start making money formally. Um, I started working before that. I was tutoring, I was doing photography, I was doing mystery shopping and event journalism, like anything I could find. Uh, but as soon as I got my passport, I started uh, selling beauty products to everybody in my school through catalogs, like the Swedish beauty brand. I was the person, I was the kid with like catalog selling to teachers and my friends and their moms. And at the time, like this was pre the internet that we are in today. So it's not like I could place my order online and just get it shipped. Mm -hmm. I actually would have to travel 45 minutes by subway, stand in an insane, sometimes three hour long line, pick up my orders, drag it all back on the subway home, then like sort everything and then distributed to people directly. Um, but the desire to make money, I think there was like just the, the fun of the puzzle that is the entrepreneurship. Um, but there's also a desire to travel. So I always had those side jobs to make money so that I could travel more than our family once or twice a year, our family trips. And that gave me access to becoming a member of this student exchange organization and going to Italy multiple times and to Turkey and having these like just really fun memories of immersing myself um, in different countries and different cultures, eating the best gelato in the world, mm -hmm. um, but also funding the tools that I knew would help me grow my business, like buying a really nice professional camera. I remember like spending hundreds of dollars on an external flash Mm -hmm. to, just to be able to be hired to photograph this one event. And so at the time, while all of this was unfolding, uh, I was also blogging. I started blogging when I was about 15. And uh, at the time, there was like no indication at all that this could be a job, that I could make money from it. It was just something I loved doing. I loved writing poetry. I loved writing about music, collecting different fashion magazine images. My live journal, which was where I hosted my blog, was like, my own self-published magazine. And I couldn't even dream of having something that you would call today a platform. And um, so the life I end up living today is the opposite of all of the fears. And I'm so grateful. And I just look back to that girl and I travel through time and I hold her and I tell her it's going to be fine because um, it's certainly 
didn't end up like those fears. And interestingly enough, um, I've always made money and different astrologers and psychics always told me, I'm looking at your chart and you're never going to have problems with money. Like you're going to be good. Like we don't even have to talk about this. You're good. And you still had a deep seated fear, right? Somewhere around that, right? (laughs) Yeah. But there's still some sort of ancestral patterning that still comes to the surface that I still am working with. Um, And it's interesting, you know, the question that I like to ask myself and any fear that comes up is what are you here to teach me? I see you, I feel you. What are you here to teach me? Because clearly it's there for a reason. Um, at this point, we just sold our house, the tiny cabin upstate. And we made quite a bit of money on that. And it was interesting to even like see my relationship with how that sale went. It went from, well, it doesn't feel real until there's an accepted offer. Oh, it doesn't feel real until the money's in the bank. It doesn't feel real until whatever. And the money's in the bank, but have I fully embodied it and received it? I don't know. I'm still working with that. Like, am I actually feeling the freedom that comes with having that amount of money in the bank? Am I feeling that empowerment? And I'm still learning to be with that. I think it's like when you buy new clothes um, or something, you know, you start working out, your body changes, like all these shifts, they take time. And my pattern used to be that I just don't give myself any grace to shed and to release and to embody. And now instead of judging myself further for not being where I think I should be, I just kind of am learning to give myself the space to pause and be like, hold on, who is this voice? What is it here to teach me? And how can I be gentle with myself? And so big, big part of my journey with money has been, um, that factorial wealth circle that I took that I did a whole episode about. So if anybody's curious what that is, to me, it really was such an important access to that next step of not just rewiring some energetic stories and patterns around money, but taking action in the physical world, which is, I know the work you do. And I'm so grateful that you are doing this because it's so important to approach money from all of the different dimensions. And some of the most important things that came from taking that wealth course is um, number one, realizing that money is a very individual, personal, unique journey. And any books that we read, any advice that we hear, they can't be, they're not a blueprint of what we must do in our lives. They're suggestions, they're invitations. And then it's important, like with anything that you are manifesting in your life to sit down and ask yourself, what is important to me? What are my values? You know, like right now, looking at a rental house, there were some things that I was able to identify. Okay, it's important for me to have um, a sense of nature, even if it's not like 12 acre plot of land like we used to have. If there's a rock wall or like a tree that I really connect with, I don't care if I'm in the middle of the city, as long as I have that kind of like portal that's there um, and I'm willing to pay extra for that. Um. And so for me, identifying my values, anytime I'm looking at making a big purchase, it's like, okay, this matcha, I just bought a $10 matcha this morning. I don't know why, like, how did matcha get to $10? I do not understand. Buy a whole bag for that matcha. I know, right? I just, I can't find my whisk. We're still like moving, everything's in storage. I thought (laughs) I put my whisk in a place that's clearly marked and I'll find it no problem, but I don't know where it is. So anyway, I bought a $10 matcha and, um, it, it was a conscious decision. It was like, okay, I know this is like crazy. This makes no sense. Like financially, probably a lot of people would say this is really stupid. But for me, when I tapped into the energy, like, do I want to be figuring out how to make my own matcha right now without the whisk? Like, do I want to be cleaning the blender when we're trying to get out of the house and get on our way somewhere? No, my energy wasn't there. Like when my energy is not in the energy of cooking or making food and I push myself to make it, it tastes like shit. So I've learned to give myself the grace of, okay, I'm going to spend $10 on matcha and I'm going to have peace with it. And it's not going to make me poor. (laughs) This is fine. It's not what's making millennials poor either. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah. And those stories I feel like are so perpetuated and like overhyped in society. So, I mean, that's an example of a small decision, but the bigger decisions on figuring out where you want to live or the kind of car you want to have, 
my, some of my values are adventure and joy and beauty. So when I try on a new house, like I typically, the way I make decisions, I feel it in my body. I imagine myself having it. And if those values feel activated and alive, then it's a yes. And if they don't, and that thing has checks all the boxes and it seems like the right thing to do. And it's like indicators of all the linear success and the, how proper this next step is like that. None of that logical reasoning matters if it doesn't activate my soul and my energetic field. Yesterday was an amazing example when we were looking. So we've looked probably at like a 10, maybe different houses to make our next home. And yesterday I walked into the house. It was a feeling of expansiveness. Like the light was beautiful. The rock wall was beautiful, the trees. And then after we were done looking at it, I'm like, let's just take a drive around the neighborhood. I really just want to feel into what it is. And one of the limiting beliefs slash patterns that comes up for me and has been coming up now that I'm back in society after living in a forest <laughs> um, is I realized just how much I put others' needs in front of my own. Like mm. I'm always so, I don't know, I never really used the word empath for myself or intuitive, but I'm so tapped into other people's feelings and emotions at all times that I often forget myself. And so I was able to identify that that's like a new awareness that I even do that. I'm like, why do I feel exhausted or powerless after hanging out with people? And it's because I've given my power away. I haven't been centered. And so I realized that I do this a lot. Like I feel somebody's sadness and then I don't allow myself to feel the joy or the full presence of my being. And so yesterday after visiting that house, something got activated. I mean, as we were driving around the neighborhood, there was like this huge, huge, beautiful home that looked like it was kind of still being built. Maybe not. Um, and typically I'm like very respectful of people's space. I don't want to intrude. I don't want to interrupt. I'm like very, very careful, mm -hmm. very nice. Um, and something took over me and I was like, I'm just going to drive into this person's like, whatever this is. I mean, I didn't even know it was a person or like a communal building, but something in me told me to get in there. And then Eric, my husband saw a person looking out the window with a drink being like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, get out of here. <laughs> And he's like, come on, drive away, drive away. This is somebody's property. Oh my gosh. And typically I would have been terrified. I would have been embarrassed. I would never want to come back there. Uh, and I would feel so terrible. And yesterday I didn't feel any of that. I just felt like I followed my curiosity. I may have overstepped someone's privacy a little bit and I was not bothered by it. And then I heard a voice that said, this is the new you. This is the new you that is now unfolding that was just activated in this house. And that was just such a liberating experience in contrast to what typically comes up for me when I consider everybody's needs before mine. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's so interesting. You ask me a question about money, but it really spills into everything. Exactly. But yeah. It's, it's never just about money. That's why I love to ask that question because it, we go to so many different topics and, and you could really talk about it for days because there's, there's just so many places you can go with it because it affects every aspect of our lives, whether we realize it or not. But the root of it is inside how we feel about ourselves. Like you said, having those awakenings of, oh my gosh, this is where I'm giving my power away, or this is where I'm, I'm not able to hold money, you know, at this level yet, or, mm. you know, it's just the energetics behind it are so powerful. Mm. Um, and then when we start to realize that, then the external changes before our eyes. We don't have to focus on the money necessarily. And then yeah, that. oh, and that's my favorite thing is once we give ourselves that permission to be vessels for experiences instead of banks that need to hold on to money because otherwise it's gonna go away. Hey, surprise news! Like money might go away even if it's in the bank. That's happened to my family multiple times. There's been like full-on economic collapses where all the money in the bank, like all of a sudden, boom, disappeared. My family has been in a situation where they were. My dad used to once we moved back to Moscow when I was five. My dad used to work in Kazakhstan, and he would work there for a month and then come back home to Moscow, be with us for a month, and then go back. And he worked like that for many years, and that was the the only way that he knew to make enough money to buy us a better apartment because we were living in this like really tiny apartment in a pretty um in a not a, in a great neighborhood with like not great schools and 
uh, with neighbors, like there's this old couple, maybe like, that's where I got my wiring to like, have to serve other people so much. But there was an old couple that lived under us. We we're on the second floor. They were in the first floor and they constantly complained about me and my sister playing. They were like constantly come and knock on the door and tell us to shut up. And I didn't even like, that wasn't like really in my field, that awareness, but maybe that's one of the things that told me it's not good to play. It's not good to be loud. Mm -hmm. And so now to reclaim that and know that when I'm in my full power, when I'm in my full expression is such a liberating practice and experience. But anyway, so my dad would do that. They saved a bunch of money up. They invested it into uh, an apartment building that was being built. Um, not the whole building, just an apartment. And then it was supposed to be like 12 stories. And after three stories, the company ghosted, they took all of the money and they ran and they had like already deposited most of the money for that apartment. So when I think back to it, my heart breaks for my parents. I'm like, how in the world did you overcome this? How did you do this? And I don't know. I'm just, I really bow down to my parents. They somehow don't really have an over-identification with money at all. So whether it's something great or something really bad that happens to them in this area, it doesn't really like shatter their soul or their being or their essence at all. So I don't think I took that from them. I think I took that from maybe society or something else, uh, but they figured it out. They figured it out. We ended up moving to that apartment later on and it all worked out. I mean, some money was lost, probably a good amount of money was lost, but that did not become an identificator of our family ever. And my dad always leads with generosity. And that's something that I really look up to him. And, and I used to think that money in the bank is like the end all be all that gives us access to freedom. But if all the money in the bank is there, but we're still holding ourselves prisoners to doing the job that we don't like, or taking on gigs, if we're self-employed that are not in alignment and we know it, and we're not allowing ourselves to fully admit it, then we're still in a prison of our own making. So what's the point? So for example, yesterday I had a cacao session, a one-on-one. -on -one. I led a cacao ceremony journey with um, like a clarity, attunement, digital kind of shamanic circle session for somebody. And they booked it pretty last minute. And I typically send people cacao for this. And when I reached out to my cacao brand, uh, they agreed to send it like super last minute rushed. And it was, you know, quite a bit of extra money to send it that way. And so if I was thinking linearly, it could be like, oh, this is like eating into my profits. This is taking away. But the new perspective that I live by that spreads into everything I do is, it's not the money that I am getting. I'm like a steward for it. And for me, the highest expression of that money is to support this cacao brand that works with these Mayan priestesses in Guatemala and supports them directly. And if UPS make some money along the way, so be it, because they're making it happen. Thank you, UPS, for having this access to getting things so fast across the whole country. And so um, because, because we when we choose to um, invest into things we want to see more of in the world, whether that's healers or other type of practitioners or coaches or mentors or experiences or brands of cacao or matcha that we know are inspired by soul and by intuition and by people following their path, um, our own money gets amplified too. It always does. So it's this learning to, I want to say let go, but it's not even let go because it's not like you're saying goodbye to it. You're like reinvesting it into this flow that is life, that is aliveness, that is the things we want to see more of. So that has been a huge lesson for me. It's like, okay, I got the money. The celebration is not having it sit in the bank. Yes, I'm going to invest some. I'm going to make some smart moves around like which bank account it's in, high yield savings account, you know, all of that. I'm going to diversify it. But ultimately, just the money sitting there, what's the point? If I'm just going to die at 100 years old with all this money that wasn't used and didn't add aliveness to me and everybody around me, there is no point. So I think there's like an interesting balance that is very individual for everybody. I know it is, I'm still finding mine. What is the balance between bringing in the money and letting go of it with ease and blessings? May this money that I am putting here may just bring love, may up level. It's like, how can I be uh, a vessel? Monica Carota was on my podcast. She said something beautiful. 
I think she called it like a 5D um, money laundering, like <laughs> big amounts of money. She said something on the lines of big amounts of money are meant to come through me and I level its consciousness and then I let it back into the world. And I really love that visual. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a form of investing. I think we, we look in, at investing so linearly in this one way, especially in America, in the U.S., and people don't realize that you're investing money when you invest in yourself, you know, when you invest in a coach or a mentor or a program or a, a small business, it's the return on that investment isn't seen right away, but it's sometimes so much greater in those moments. You don't know you're trusting spirit, right? You're saying, okay, I'm going to put this out of the world, not exactly knowing what it might bring me, but it might bring you an opportunity years later that you never knew might exist, you know? And I think that's so beautiful, but that's, hard for some people to wrap their minds around when our culture teaches, you know, to hold on to it. And, you know, you mentioned that before about it being impermanent. And I think I just, I look at it as very impermanent and we need to see it as this thing that it's not ours to hold. We're stewards of it, but it's not ours to hold yet. Our culture is teaching us. And what I learned in the financial industry was to try to amass as many assets as possible, which is one of the reasons that I don't resonate with that industry at all because it's, a, it's disempowering to women, it's disempowering to people in general, and it's teaching them to just amass, 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 and, you know, invest that for the future. But like you said, what's the point, you know, energetically, like where, what's happening here with this money that's all sitting, we have trillions and trillions of dollars sitting on the sidelines that aren't going to anything beneficial unless you consider it like a large huge corporation beneficial, which I don't necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, and so I totally agree with that. I'm, I'm trying to spread the awareness too, that investing is so much more than just the stock market or even just real estate. Like you said, small business is so powerful. And I know you mentioned on your podcast, one of your, your dreams is to be an angel investor. I thought that yeah. was really beautiful. That's, that's one of mine as well, because I think that's so impactful to other people. Yeah, it's, uh, I have a friend, a dear friend who is a shamanic investor, and she's been such an inspiring person in my life to see how, how can, how one can bring together resources, intuition, values, and the sense of like play and connection with other humans, like seeing them in their gifts, using intuition and shamanic gifts to amplify them. And then backing that with money to like really, really down in this human world, it can be such a beautiful thing. Um, and I think that's happening more and more. And I'm so excited that this whole conversation about money and business is really shifting for so many people. I mean, um, I don't really see that many people having these conversations. So when I saw your podcast, I was like, this is so cool. Like a lot of these conversations still seem very much linear yes. um, and kind of blueprinty. Mm -hmm. When what I found is that same as it is in social media growth, as it is in entrepreneurship, as it is in love, as it is in money, it's so not linear. And anytime we feel like, well, these are my values. I'm the spiritual, awesome person. I'm a light being, I'm a light worker. But then um, in truth, you're like scared to spend $50 on something that, you know, I don't know, like a healing of some sort, like group acupuncture, then you're sending the world a totally different signal than what you're saying with your words. So how can we integrate our values and what we want to see more of in the world with the actions that we're taking with the money being part of it? Because money is happens to be a resource that is one of the most common resources. Like we all interact with money every day, so many times a day. And yet it's something that's not been taught any, anywhere the psychology and emotions and the energy of it certainly has not been taught. So um, having these conversations and I think honestly just bringing, okay, this is my money story. These are my fears. This is what I grew up on. This is what I've thought about money up until now. And this is what I would like to change. It's not a normal thing to bring up. And now it is becoming, I mean, I see you making this. I hope that with my podcasts, I, I have contributed somehow to bring these conversations further. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, it doesn't need to be taboo anymore. It's it's interesting. It's been taboo for so long. Well, that and death. I feel like death and money. That's yeah. Two. I grew up in the funeral industry, Ooh. so death and money. Those two topics <laughs> don't work. They don't freak me out like other people because I grew up in the funeral industry, and then I've obviously been working in the financial industry for a while. And so I'm happy to have those conversations with people. But you'd be so surprised at how it it triggers people. Like even people like you said that think they're so spiritual or so you know, better than, um, I've had so many people not want to be on the podcast because I can tell they're, they, they're triggered. They don't want to talk about it or it's mm-hmm. not, uh, you know, they think it's, it's a topic that if you're, if you're spiritual, then you shouldn't be talking about money at all. Like you don't need to be worrying mm-hmm. about money. And I totally disagree. I think, how can you not talk about it? You know, it's like this, uh, <laughs> elephant in the room, you know, that needs to be discussed more because it, it hurts women, especially, um, because, if you look at, you know, I'm sure you learned this in Factora, just the difference between, you know, the earnings of a woman and a man here in the U.S. still today, it's pretty vast. And then you see it's a little bit more normalized with men. You know, they'll talk about investing a little bit here and there with each other, but women don't ever talk about money with even your closest friends, which I find really bizarre, actually. And I think it has to do with being triggered by that in a way, because we all have those money wounds. And again, Nobody really takes the time to figure out what those are. So that's kind of yeah, the purpose of my podcast. I know you're doing this work as well, which is why I wanted to have you on. So thank you for being here. Yeah, it's my joy. And I feel like there's a, it's such an interesting balance to explore between. Um, so interesting when you speak, like I see kind of the matrix, I see like all these codes and ideas and codes. But then when it comes to putting them to words, I really have to seek the words like in my, in my energy field, it's so clear. Um, But what I was thinking about is this balance between not identifying ourselves and who we are and our value and our worth with the money that we're bringing in and the outcome and the output, like all of these things, like masculine type of things that we've been taught to value ourselves on. Um, And at the same time, um, what's interesting and it's like a catch 22 it's like only one will release the grip of needing to produce to prove our worth and to bring in the money is when it actually comes into our experience mm-hmm. and I had another person who speaks about wealth and is a wealth coach and wealth embodiment program creator Victoria Washington on my podcast and the question that she brought in that was so beautiful when I did the whole money series is we're so focused on our relationship with money. We're kind of like obsessed, like, oh, let's redefine my story on money. You know, let's write a more empowering relationship with money story. But what is money's relationship with you? Does it actually like to hang out with you? Or are you like just too bossy and you diminish it and you don't actually give it space to have its own opinion and to be and co-create with you? Are you just trying to be the boss of it? Like the crazy micromanager that nobody wants to have. And that really made me think too, you know, money and wealth is a consciousness in itself too. I mean, I I'd like to think that everything around us has a consciousness um, and money for sure as well. And so one of the practices that I constantly come back to when I'm feeling overwhelmed by something or it just feels too complicated and I don't know how I'm going to handle it, whether it's like, all right, we're, we've sold the cabin. How are we going to do this move? Where are we going to live? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Or even before that, when we listed the house and the showing started happening, I was feeling so overwhelmed because, you know, or living in the house and there were people coming to look at it like in the middle of a work day. And it's like my sacred space. I have my crystals and altars and like hundred dollar bills everywhere, <laughs> you know? And so what I did is I just surrendered it. Uh, I said, spirit, whenever it's time, bring the most perfectly aligned divine buyer in the most easeful and graceful way. And as soon as I said that within days, they showed up. And I knew, I knew before they even showed up that morning, I woke up, I just knew they were on their way that day. Mm. And so the same with money, when it feels overwhelming and it feels like there's no linear way of knowing how we're going to pay the bills or how we're going to take care of ourselves or create different opportunities for trips or helping other people, just surrender that, offer it up to source and say, okay, I admit 
I'm powerless. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to get there. Help me. I'm here to co-create with you. And I find that anytime I've done that, like the place I'm sitting in now, this is not even a real, this is a house we're renting just for the month, Mm -hmm. our first kind of landing spot. And it's not even like a real Airbnb. It's somebody's house and they happen to be away exactly for the month we were coming. And they happen to list it when we were looking. And then we happen to be able to extend it for more than it was originally available for. So, and when I was looking around on Airbnb, I was kind of starting to get scared because all of the places were so small and kind of dark. Nothing really had like a real backyard. And we both work from home and my husband is quite loud on his phone calls. So like we need two office type of spaces Mm -hmm. right now. I'm in the bedroom because the sound acoustics are better with pillows, but typically I work from like the living room area and I have a little nook there that I've created with my crystals and everything. But there were so few options and the prices were so high and made no sense. Nothing felt right. Nothing felt expensive. And it felt like a step back from our beautiful tiny cabin that we'd created. And then this opened up and I couldn't believe it. They have all the things like a Vitamix and a gas stove and like a beautiful comfy couch, like all the things that kind of create the space for my rituals and for beautiful nourished and to move through my day with that sense of adventure and creativity. They're all here. It's like somebody, it's like God came in and just created this house. And so I'd like to think that as soon as we loosen our grip on anything that we wish to bring into our lives, whether that's an experience or money or home or a lover, as soon as we just make a little space and we surrender, even if it's just like a tiny step away from it, and then we keep breathing, we keep creating a little more space, surrendering a little bit more, loosening the grip a little bit more, something always shows up that will just blow you off your feet it will be bigger than anything your linear mind could have ever come up with and you'll look back and think how did this happen and there is no explanation to how because in the world of spirit in the world of surrender and trust how is totally irrelevant and it's more about the feeling and what is important here and i know that the vision that really helped me create this and i guess manifest this is I said out loud to Eric that my vision for our next home is that it's going to be like a womb for who we're meant to be next and what we're going to create next. And it's going to be this nourishing oasis of a space nestled by trees, which this space feels like, um, that will support everything that we're meant to bring into the world at this point. And so I think sitting down and creating the space to envision and then experience the feeling that that invokes and all the activations that happen in your heart is a much more um, effective, but also fun way to manifest than sitting down and like writing out, okay, let's cross this area of my list, pros and cons. I contacted five real estate agents, talked to 10 people, like none of these numeric type of quantifiable things have ever really brought me anywhere, but acting on the feeling and trusting and leaving space for something bigger than my brain can create has always just blown me away. Yeah. And I mean, you're walking the walk. I mean, you have hundreds of thousands of followers on social media platforms. So clearly you're a manifester and what you do, are you a manifester in human design? Is I that- am actually am. Um, yeah. Where are you? I'm a projector. Yeah. I'm a projector. So just learning more about myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we work very differently. Um, but yeah, just the way you describe how you make decisions, I thought you're definitely a manifester. But I think really we can all take so much medicine from that because you're walking the walk and the talk and you've done so much. And I'm sure you didn't have the vision exactly of where you would be when you left Moscow to where you are now. <laughs> you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure you didn't think, oh, I'm gonna build a social media following and monetize my blog and I'm not going to be in fashion like I thought, but actually something so much better is going on. Right. So, yeah. Thank you for bringing that back in. That was actually something else that I was really called to share when you asked me the question before is um, none of these decisions that you're pointing to that led to some of the external successes were guided by me sitting down and making a business plan or thinking about ways I can make money. None of them. Yes. I know stories of people I had, Hampton Lou was on my podcast, founder of hybrid calisthenics recently, and he has built an enormous platform with over 5 million followers, like New York times that are right up on him the other day. And he's just like a guy from Arkansas who posts workout videos. 
but there's like such spirit present in everything he does. And in that conversation with him, you really feel it. And he actually speaks directly to his relationship with it. Um, he actually speaks openly about the fact that his mother was on a deathbed and he needed to pay the bills. And he just sat down and came up with a list of things that could make him money. He was like, I'm making a niche website, making a niche workout website. And so that's what gave him the idea. But I'd like to believe even there was a divine intervention, especially with like what his why and his intention was like all of that. So all that to say, it's, there's nothing wrong with coming from a place of what can make me money. Like, let's make this a fun game. Let's do this. Um, but at the same time, always leaving space for um, what is going to make me feel alive. What is the highest expression of my soul essence in the world? And the moment that I took money out of the equation and I stopped making decisions based on money alone, everything shifted. Because anytime any decision is based on money alone, like taking a brand deal or a job opportunity or a client, anything at all, <clears throat> it comes from fear. And I know within me, like I can taste the difference. It's there. And sometimes there would be an aspect of me that would kind of want to sweep that under the rug and pretend that wasn't there. And like my brain would talk me into all the reasons why this is a good idea to say yes to. But then I, I know I'm like in my gut, I just know. And so developing this muscle of, I don't make decisions on money based on money alone. I make decisions based on what makes me feel alive and what is meant to be and what I am meant to bring forth for myself and for everybody else into the world. That has really shifted everything. Cause as, as soon as we do that, we shift from the linear logical thinking into soul thinking. And there is no linearity. There is not one dimension. There is no predictability. There is no certainty. And it's scary to live that way. It's very scary because some days I don't know where I'm going to sleep tomorrow. Um, I mean, <clears throat> you know, thankfully I'm in a position where I can always like get a hotel or sleep with friends. Um, but it's, it can be very unsettling to not have that ground of not knowing what's happening next. And when people ask us why we moved to Austin and I say <clears throat> intuition, they kind of look at me like I'm crazy, but also Austin, like has so many people kind of on the same wavelength that they, they get it. But like, I was checking out of Trader Joe's and the guy asked me like, so why'd you move to Austin job? And I said, intuition he kind of looked at me he didn't say a word after that that's exactly why my husband and I moved we moved to the mountains of central Virginia on a farm we moved to a farm a year ago and except for the exact same reason we didn't know a soul here no one but it was all based off intuition for both of us and it's been so beautiful we've been here a year and we have this beautiful property on a river and chickens and it's just perfect we're surrounded by local farms and CSAs and I don't have a reason. I don't have a reason other than it felt right. And we love the area and we didn't know a single person, but it's just led to so many incredible opportunities just in that span of time. So, so you're obviously Eric is on board with this as well. Was he living from his intuition before he met you or have you uh, sort of helped him open that, that aspect up a little bit? Well, on our second day, he took me to a shamanic journey circle ceremony type of thing so oh cool he's always been into things yeah. like this and he told me later he was testing how far like I'm actually into those things on that date and I was like boy I've been around I do these things don't myself. even know me <laughs> yes <laughs> so we matched we matched on that for sure um and I think we're constantly inviting each other to come back to the heart to the soul to the non-linear um and when we allow ourselves to be held by each other, it's just really beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes I'm very stubborn. I'm like, no, I know the right way. No. Um, and I just won't listen to anything he says. But most of the times our kind of family rule is that we listen to my gut because there's been so many little and big situations where my gut says last minute, we'll like prepare to go restaurant, like everything's ready to go, tables reserved. And my gut will say, no, nope, we're not going. No reason. Just don't go. Yeah. And we've gone. And it was like a horrible experience. Um, and that was like one of the most powerful imprints we've had. And then there's been so many other situations where we just have learned to listen to that and just like 
with homes that we're seeing, some of them we walk into and they check all the boxes, but it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel activating. It doesn't feel exciting. And so uh, I'd like to think that as a couple, we are doing that more and more. Mm -hmm. And that muscle is getting strong, especially with this move. It took him a while to find peace with the idea of leaving the tiny cabin and his thousand square foot workshop as an artist. That was his dream to have a workshop and a forest and nature. And he had this enormous workshop. Um, but with time, he like really tapped into the importance of community for him and the importance of his wife being happy. Because I believe that every person in relationship, whatever we're going through internally, it really impacts everything the other person does. So sometimes I know I'm guided to take it slower and take like a few weeks off of intense work and hold space for him because there's something big going through in his business or his art. And my job is literally to hold space for that. And we do that for each other and we'll see what happens next. I feel like this is a new chapter. I'm so excited for it. And so far there's been so much proof that trusting the uncertainty and trusting the intuition is the access to the most incredibly beautiful things. And um, I'm open to that. Yeah. Universe. Well, thank you for sharing this wisdom. I think so many people are living in a, a lot of fear right now and scarcity. And just, I think this is going to help a lot of people, you know, who hear this, hear your message, because a lot of people are living in this uncertain phase where it's, it's, it hurts our nervous system. You know, our nervous system sometimes can't handle it, but um, your story is just really inspirational. So, um, I could talk to you all day. It's just it's yeah, my it's joy. Finished. Thank you. Uh, if you will allow me to, there's actually one more story that wants to come yeah, through. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. You know, to what you're saying about so many people are guided by fear right now. I see so much, you know, there's a lot of people talking about potential economic crash and like a real estate crash. And yes, all of that is possible, but we can't just like kind of pause our lives and sit in fear based on that. There's a lot of people when we were thinking about selling our house, there's a lot of people that are like, why don't you just make an Airbnb? It's such a great financial move. You know, you'll just continue bringing money every month. But in me, something just, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel expansive. It felt like it, it was weighing me down. Just the idea of doing that didn't feel right. So if you know that it's time for a change, if it's time for something new in your life, it takes that leap. It takes leaving the unfamiliar and diving without the certainty, without the answers. So I really just implore you, don't hold on to something in your life just because you feel like it's keeping you safe because it will provide some sort of security for a crash that might or not might not come. If you know you're meant to, not meant to be in a town or city or in a relationship right now, there's nothing to wait for. Like don't wait until the whisper becomes a screen and start taking action on the things that you know in your soul you're meant to be doing now. Um, and we send you all the love for finding the courage to do that. And I think that's one of the reasons I love podcasts and I love the coaching industry and the mentorship, because in my experience, it's in those kinds of conversations that I'm reminded of my courage, my strength, the higher aspect of myself. And I feel like I'm not alone. So thank you for holding this conversation, for asking the beautiful questions and for doing the work that you do. Oh. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. And where can people find you if you, do you do one-on-one -on -one consulting or business brand consulting? Just share a little bit about where we can find you. And yes, um, you can find me on Xenia, K-S-E-N-I-A-B-R-I-E-F.com. Um, I do offer some one-on-one -on -one sessions where we kind of dive in between the entrepreneurship, the social media strategy, as well as the energetics and sometimes much deeper realms than that. Um, and it's such a joy and a gift to be able to do this work, to just kind of like have somebody come in and say, Hey, like, and I don't like Instagram. Like I stopped sharing and I don't know what to do. And then like, what we dive into is like their whole ancestral life and like all the limiting beliefs that have been stopping them and just like rewire everything and create this brand new foundation of showing up from a sense of peace and sovereignty and joy and creation. So that's work that I love doing. And I do offer that as of right now, uh, my podcast is about to be renamed 
Uh, I haven't announced the name yet. I'm very excited about it. Should be happening July 2022. So I'm not going to give you the name, but once this is out, probably you can just put the link in the show notes, uh, or you can just search my name, K-S-E-N-I-A-B-R-I-E-F on the podcast app to find me. Same on TikTok and Instagram, Ksenia.brief. Um, and let me know what those courageous steps that you are taking are. And if you have questions on anything that we talked about. Well, I just loved sharing space with Ksenia for this episode. It might be one of my favorites ever. And just so many downloads were coming through as we were chatting. And um, I wanted to share some of my favorites um, from our conversation. I think one of the biggest takeaways for me was when she said, you know, what's the point if we're making decisions based on money alone, if we're making decisions that don't align with our soul and our joy, what's the point? Um, I love how she lives according to what makes her feel alive. And it was just a good reminder for me when I get caught up in the busy day-to-day of running a business that if it's not bringing me joy, if I'm not following my joy and my highest calling, then what's the point? I love that. Um, A few other things that I really enjoyed hearing her talk about were also just how she feels in her body whenever she's making a decision, Um, how she really taps into her intuition before she does anything from going to dinner to buying a home or renting an apartment or just leaving the house. I think that if we all lived according to these principles, we would live in our highest expression more often. And it's obvious that Ksenia is living this way and she's living this beautiful life that I admire so much. And I'm so grateful that she came on. Ksenia, thank you for coming on. And I hope we can chat again soon. Next week, I will be discussing legacy planning part two. Cheers. Cheers.